I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, for an off-season week, a lot of big news. If you're a uh, looking to get any 2016 Cubs and Indians memorabilia t-shirts, things like that, you might want to act fast. The Cleveland Indians are no more. They're looking for a new name. That was a shocker this week. Yeah, it definitely was, Chad. They're still going to have the name at least through the 2021 season, according to reports. But what should they name the team? And not only that, Chad, we probably are going to have some potential new record holders, maybe in Major League Baseball, as the Negro Leagues and Major League Baseball now merging as a part of the new record book and we'll get into those details as well in this episode yeah a lot of big news we're actually going to talk about uh, a lot of cub stuff as well even though we kind of let off with some non-cub stuff there's discussion about the season you know when is it going to start when's spring training training going to start um schwarber was in the news recently some comments uh was he was doing some charity work in ohio some news around ross uh Um, on how he can get better. Joe Madden praising Theo. Uh, And then, you know, we're going to talk about some prospects as well uh, who may be making uh, their debut sooner rather than later based upon some projections. And Chad and I will get into a major topic. Is it okay for Cubs fans to buy gear of another team? Uh Uh-oh. Hold your breath, (laughs) folks. You may not like the answer because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Let's start as we always do, Chad, in the first inning. And there's some chatter, Chad, that the players are on one side and the owners on the other. Shocker. And supposedly the players are saying that they would like the season to maybe start a little later this coming year because of everything going on. The the, uh, owners, of course, saying they want to start on time, make sure that they have as many games as possible so we wouldn't see 162 games potentially chad because the players want the season to start possibly in may which would cut out at least a month and change of the year what are your thoughts on baseball if the possibility were to exist that it started in may of this coming year instead of late march like we've seen in the past well, you know, it's it's interesting now how, how things have changed, because if you remember earlier this year, it was the players that were pressing for more time and uh, obviously because that affects their paychecks. And and now that the owners have seen what uh, what how detrimental a shortened season is to their uh, pocketbooks, um, they want to get as much as they can, especially from the TV dollars, because that really is the the bulk of their contract. As a Cub season ticket holder in Mesa and a Cub season ticket holder at Wrigley Field, I've paid my deposits for both of them um, based upon the the expectation that a full spring training and a full 162 game or a full 82 game um, home series home uh, home schedule will be played out. Do I expect that to happen? Absolutely not. I don't know how things will change so drastically that uh, Wrigley Field will be able to be um, a place where games will be played in front of crowds. So um, that's from a safety aspect. Now, can can the teams do it? I think we're starting to see, you know, with football, the NFL has surprised me. You know, we're, we're, we're working the last couple of weeks of the season um, with major issues that they've worked around. And that's one weekly game. 
College football has been an absolute mess. Basketball we're seeing is, is an absolute mess. And there's a lot of talk about the NBA season um, getting pushed back as well um, because of what is expected to be a major um, horrible winter with, with COVID. So um, would I be upset if it was pushed back? I just want baseball again. And I want some sense of normalcy, but Ryan, I don't think normalcy is going to touch major league baseball or concerts or anything like that until 2022 at the earliest. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate what they're doing here, Chad, because look, they want to make sure everyone's safe. They're not going to be playing in a bubble. They want to make sure that if they're going to be playing as full of a season as possible, that all the players are vaccinated, that they are making sure the players are testing negative for the COVID-19 virus. So Kudos to baseball at least trying to make it work, understanding that under the parameters, rushing it would not be the correct call. So I I actually am happy to see that they are trying to take the proper protocols to make sure that this season is safe. As you said, I just want to see baseball. Any more games than we saw last year is a plus. So if it's only 154 or 140 or even 120, so be it. I would rather see this season in 2021 a safe season and a completed season more than anything else than one that's going to be disrupted and rushed just so you can try to get in as many games as possible because at the end of the day everybody loses in that scenario absolutely let's move on to the second inning and uh, we're going to talk about our old friend Kyle Schwarber he, uh, as expected, uh, no moves just yet. I, uh, we've been saying all along we expect it to be a, a much slower, uh, which has been typical uh, free agency uh, period for baseball, especially with all the uncertainties. So, uh, But Schwar- Schwarber was in the news uh, this week. He was uh, handing out food um, uh, out near his home in Ohio, a part of, I think, the Players Alliance. Uh, Hayward was out there doing that along with Howard, our, uh, the Cubs' number one pick um, in this last draft, which is fantastic throughout the community. Schwarber uh, down, stood up for an interview and, and said that he would be open and he would like to return. What do you think about that, Rhino? Do you think there is a fit in this team, or do you think that the front office, other than saving money, have basically made a decision that Schwarber doesn't fit into the Cubs' plan? I mean, it's hard to say. I feel like if he were to come to the Cubs and say, listen, you signed me to a deal that you think is appropriate and friendly to where I can contribute, doesn't Jed Hoyer have an obligation to sit there and go, it's hard for me to turn down a guy who hits 30 home runs, who is a great locker room clubhouse guy, who wants to be here, and I can get him at a discount? I, I have a hard time believing that Schwab's, you know, and the Cubs would look at each other and say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I would love to see Kyle Schwarber back. I, I understand that you, to some degree, you needed to shake up things for the sake of shaking it up. But if Kyle Schwarber, as like a John Lester, is willing to come back at a reduced price and you can make it work, by all means, I'm all for it, Chad. I I just don't think those days, I don't think Kyle's in a situation where he has to, you know, sign a one year deal to uh, add a discount to prove himself. I think Kyle has proven himself um, and has shown what he is. And even in the interview, he said he, he believes he's an average to a slightly above average defender that works really hard in his craft out there. But he, you know, he did also mention that he knew uh, he struggled at the plate in this last year. Uh, you're right. If, if, if Lester and, and if Kyle come back and say, Hey, we want to be a part of this, um, let's do it. 
I, you know, if, if I'm Kyle and I'm Kyle's agent, I'm going to look for years. I'm going to look for uh, uh, more dollars. I'm going to look for guarantees. You know, this isn't uh, football, you know, where the, the money's not guaranteed. So Kyle is looking for something that's going to give him some security. And ultimately, if it's not going to be with the Cubs, which I don't think Kyle's coming back to the Cubs, um, it gives him an opportunity to open new markets. It gives him an opportunity to uh, to create a new fan base. And and who, who's to say that uh, that maybe the Reds wouldn't want their hometown boy, uh, uh, you know, back? That would be a, a great opportunity for them uh, to sell more tickets with a, an exciting guy with a, you know guy who who has the ability to obviously hit it out into the river. So I don't think he's uh, there's a chance he's going to be coming back, but it would be a great story. Um, but I think our time with Kyle Schwarber in a Cubs uniform is probably gone. And that would follow my narrative, Chad, of coming back to haunt the Cubs if he were to sign with the Reds. So let's move on to the third inning here, Chad. And David Ross, uh, as he was assessed about his first season, and you would think David Ross, who's probably one of the best player managers in the game, when asked what he would want to work on, he said his communication, Chad, how can you think David Ross would say that out of all the things he needs to improve on, his communication with the players is at the top of his list? Were you surprised by that assessment from Rossi? I'm not going to say that I'm surprised or not surprised. I, what, I'll, what I'll share is I'm impressed. I'm impressed that he has the emotional intelligence to realize that he is a rookie manager and no longer he's going to go into his sophomore year as a, as a manager and, and he wants to get better. You know, David Ross is not becoming a manager so that he can do it for a few years. I think he wants to create a new legacy. I think he wants to put his impact. I think, you know, in a perfect world, David Ross is is leading the Cubs for the next decade and giving them some sense of of steadiness and normalcy. And he wants to be the guy to deliver another World Series championship. And for him to do that, he's got a fire on all cylinders. So for him to say communication is an area that he needs to be more focused on and, and needs to spend more time. It just shares shows to me that um, he realizes that uh, he's a work in progress and it's an opportunity for him to, to, uh, you know, kind of buff out some of the rough edges. It's really interesting to hear his quotes, Chad. He said, if I could go back, I probably would be a little less patient and push some ideas I had or talk a little more baseball with the players. I've talked to multiple players and I think the guys want more conversation for me because I tried to separate that manager player spot at times. So maybe just a little more communication from me on where I think we can have things that are short term. So he feels like he should have maybe pushed his agenda a little more onto the players. I think he felt like he kind of wanted to sit back and see how the players adjusted to him first. And this year, maybe we can expect David Ross to be that manager that while he is still that player manager to kind of push his narrative onto the players and kind of his expectations just a little bit more and see if he can get more out of them in this 2021 season. Well, let's move on to the fourth inning. And uh, we've talked about the current Cubs manager. Let's talk about uh, the former Joe Madden in the news uh, saying that uh, Theo, the former head of Cubs baseball operations, Theo Epstein, you may remember his name. Madden says Theo could run an NFL team and he thinks he could actually lead an NFL team to a Super Bowl. Now, Rhino, this is absolutely ridiculous, right? I mean, do you really think that Theo has the chops to be able to step into any sport and take it to the very top? Yes, Chad, you know it too. 
Theo Epstein, I think, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I know everyone keeps saying, and I, I think it's most logical that baseball would be where he comes back to, whether it's the Mets or one of the expansion teams that one day comes to fruition. But why not the NFL? And, and Chad, why not the Chicago Bears, Chad? The team that he obviously is already in the city and a team that could potentially be looking for a new president of operations. I think Theo Epstein could get the hang of the NFL really quickly and why not? You've already won a championship with the Cubs. If you could win a championship for the Chicago Bears, Chad, in the city of Chicago, after what they did in 1985, and it's, of course, been 35 years since the Bears won a Super Bowl, to win it in the city of Chicago, Chad, come on. Nobody has been able to win a championship for two sports, two different sports in the same city. Theo Epstein would go down not only as a legend and a Hall of Famer, he could be in the Hall of Fame twice. Baseball and football, it would be unprecedented. Maybe that's the move, Chad. Theo to the Bears. Am I out of my mind for thinking that? Yeah, 100%. Not a chance. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's farcical. It, 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 there's not a chance in the world. The main reason is, is they're just two incredibly different and complex sports. And the analytics of baseball, baseball is made for analytics. Football is meant for brute strength and, and pushing and, you know, pushing and shoving and, and hitting the quarterback and have him go down hard. Um, Theo uh, would have to redefine uh, a football front office for him to really have an impact because right now it's about deal making. Um, which I wouldn't say Theo's great with right now. Football is about uh, is about the draft, and again, I I think there's a there's not a great history of of, of Cubs crushing the draft. Um, and Theo, you know, what I would have been more impressed by Theo is if he could have done for the Cubs what he did for the Red Sox, which is bring a second title. But instead, we are looking, you know, five years down the road at a potential rebuild. So I love the idea. I love the mutual admiration society between Joe Madden. And, and Theo Epstein, but uh, I think Theo's best bet, and we've talked about it here on the podcast, I think the best bet is him holding out hope, enjoying all the money he's made, sit around and in, enjoy his, his, uh, his house in Lakeview, maybe taking some games at, uh, at Wrigley, enjoy his celebrity status, have some beers, not think about it too much, and wait for that Nashville ownership group to come calling and give him an ownership stake so he can run that new team and bring a third title to a third franchise and 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 an expansion franchise at that all right crush my dreams why don't you so <laughs> let's move on to the fifth inning chad and somebody who's crushing the ball lately cubs catching prospect miguel amaya he's playing in the puerto rican winter league and man this kid has really shown some flashes with the bat in the league so far he went two for three with two doubles in one of his games a homer in the other and just through four games he's driven in five runs chad he's only 22 years old but people are really impressed with him now with wilson Contreras and victor carantini already in the organization are the cubs in a, a situation right now where they're flush with catchers where maybe amaya might be even more ready to get to the majors before 2022, which is when the Cubs were thinking of bringing them up, there might be an opportunity to bring them up even sooner. And the Cubs catcher of the future could be ready to go by next season. What do you think? 
you know, it, you know, we've talked about this, the, um, the, the two most tradable. And when I say tradable, um, the, the two, the two tradable assets that the Cubs have, which could bring the greatest haul are probably Wilson Contreras and you Darvish. Those are the ones that I think, um, um, at their respective position are best in class. And that could create the greatest haul of prospects and, and, and what the Cubs need to do to kind of replenish the coffers. So yes, it would make sense in that situation. I foresee Wilson and Victor Carantini coming back as the one, two punch. And I don't think that, uh, that Miguel really needs to, to, to rush his, his, uh, um, his development, you know, he is a solid, solid backstop. He is, you know, there, there are not a lot of, uh, of negatives about how he handles the pitching staff and what he does behind the plate. Um, we are, as you said, he's tearing up the, the, the Puerto Rican winter league right now and, and hitting well, it's a small sample size. Let's also note that. Um, but right now let's let him work on, um, you know, his hitting, let, let him work on, um, that aspect of it. And, and let's not rush the situation. Like how much better could Nico Horner have been if he had two more years of seasoning and then coming up right now as a super prospect at second base, we'll never know because he was forced into these situations, um, where he wasn't getting a lot of quality at bats. I love the idea. And I love the fact that the Cubs have somebody in the pipeline that people are getting excited about. There's not a lot of names. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a situation where it's good to at least know there's a few guys in the farm system that are progressing and are essentially the future for this team down the line. Because we know that the farm system needs to be replenished. And other than a few names that we're hearing here and there, Amaya being one of them, the Cubs don't have much going on right now. So it's nice to know that with the names they do have in the, in the farm system, they're progressing nicely and we're able to start seeing um, what they can potentially be. And that maybe there is a little bit of a bright spot for this ball club in the next couple of years. And with that being said, maybe if you do end up trading a Wilson Contreras, you get some prospects in return, kind of rebuild that farm system and just continue to grow the prospects. So this team is back in business at least, you know, for a few more years if they're looking to contend. Well, let's move on to the the sixth inning. And Rhino, this is probably, absolutely, the biggest news in Major League Baseball this week, and it absolutely tore up social media. The news that Major League Baseball here on the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues uh, has decided that Negro League stats are going to count in the official Major League stats. Now we've had um, a friend of the show, Bob Kendrick, uh, was was a guest at one of our seventh inning stretch uh, interview guest conductors um, earlier this past season, um, and he has alluded some big news coming up. Um, and it was announced this week. It creates a lot of potential issues with how statistics were kept back in the day, and 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 maybe they aren't as complete, obviously, as some you know some uh, verifiable newspaper statistics, but. Rhino, this was very polarizing for some baseball fans, um, but it really is amazing news that uh, that Major League Baseball is embracing the Negro Leagues. It's pretty fascinating. Um, I think this is so cool that Major League Baseball has decided to merge the Negro Leagues with Major League Baseball and and the records that we're now going to see with different players that are going to add hits to their resume, add home runs to their resume, 
Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Ernie Banks. These are all guys. Now the question becomes, what records have they kept really good track of to do a good enough job of how it's going to be added? Because for me, the big number I think everybody's curious about is Josh Gibson. Some people have suggested Gibson slugged more than like 800 home runs. But is there evidence to prove that? And I think that's what's going to be very interesting to see if he can pass Barry Bonds for all time uh, at 762. So this is a pretty amazing story. I'm, I'm so curious to see what the records are going to look like. And I think what's good, Chad, is that this is some positive and really good news for baseball. And we're not talking about baseball doing something dumb and stupid, which unfortunately it seems like they're in the news for a lot of those things. This is something that's progressive, something that I think is really catching a lot of people's attention. And I also think it's such such a great um, way of creating an awareness, not just for baseball fans, but for, um, you know, communities such as, you know, inner cities that a lot of kids who don't play baseball maybe create a little bit of an interest in recognizing that we're bridging two eras and two leagues together that are, you know, showing that, hey, we are recognizing the great feats and the talents of what these players who unfortunately were not allowed to play in Major League Baseball at that time Well, now we're showing that they're a part of what we created and what they created, more importantly, as well. So this is a wonderful move by all parties. Wonderful move. And and it's obviously going to create some debate. It's going to create some discussion. It's going to create more awareness, what you nailed and what you hit on. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, so, you know. Major League Baseball is not going to take everything into account because the Negro Leagues really started back in the 1800s. They're looking at the period from 1920 to 1948. That's one year after Jackie Robinson broke the the barrier. That's what they're 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 going to call the Negro Leagues Major League period. You're, you're right about some of the issues with uh, with some of the statistics, like Josh Gibson. You know, so you, you've got a story. You know, Willie Mays. There's a a, a newspaper article uh, about Willie hitting a home run in the Negro leagues, but there's no actual records of it in any ledgers. And so there's issues like that. So, so will current players um, who made the transition, will their numbers get goosed up? Will uh, players that, that maybe you may not have familiarity with, with, will they suddenly supplant players on the list? You, you know, uh, I, I can't imagine we'll have a situation where Josh Gibson will be the new home run leader. I mean, his, his uh, ledger um, in, in the hall of fame only, only counts 238 home runs, even though he had o- almost 800 home runs in league and independent baseball in 17 years. So it, it, it creates a lot of discussion. Um, it's the right thing to do for baseball um, because it really is a, a um, a black mark to the the history of it. And a lot of people will always say Babe Ruth, the greatest player ever. You look at his statistics, it's hard to, to, to argue otherwise. But then you look into it and realize that some of the best players in, in the, the world were not playing against Babe Ruth. They're playing. Um, they weren't able to play against Babe Ruth. So this opens up a lot of discussion. It opens up uh, history lessons. It opens up the debate. I welcome it. I can't wait to talk to Bob Kendrick again. Uh, he was such a delight to talk to before here on the 100th anniversary. And this is nothing but good for, for the, the game of baseball. I can't imagine anybody looking at this and feeling like this is anything but positive. <laughs> 
Chad, the holiday season is here, and we have a terrific gift idea for your friends and loved ones if you're still trying to figure out what to get them. That's right. Why not get them some Federalist wine? We've been talking about them all season. They are fantastic, and they make great wine. It's the perfect stocking stuffer or something to even share over Christmas dinner, even New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. You can also pair it with a great Hanukkah meal along with some delicious latkes. Maybe I'll make you some one day, Chad. The Federalist oh, wine yeah. is an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters. Damn good taste. It's a bold choice with baseball, any sport, even football. You can pair it with any food you desire. And if you go to uncorked.com, we have a special offer for you. That's uncorked.com. And use our code CUBS20. You get 20% off your entire purchase. This is Federalist wine. I drink it. Chad drinks it. You should, too. This is an American craft wine. So go to, as Chad said, uncorked.com. Use the promo code CUBS20 and get 20% off your purchase. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. Of course, it's the off season and our next guest is absolutely perfect for what we're going to be talking about because of COVID, because the business of baseball has been hit so hard. It was only appropriate to get the sports professor, Rick Horro to join us here. You can find Rick on Twitter at Rick Horro. He's a sports business consultant and analyst, and you can hear him on Sirius XM beyond the scoreboard and he's a Yahoo Finance contributor, as well as ESPN in West Palm Beach, if you want to tune in on 106.3 FM. If you're living in Chicago, you can go online and hear him there, too. Rick, welcome to the seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan, and thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? Absolutely. Well, so you're great setup there. You say, you know, if you're feeling sick and you've had a terrible year, Rick is just the man for you. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely. And we should also mention Rick is a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. So while you speak about the business of sports in general on a national level, people should know from our podcast, you're a huge Cubs fan in general. So it's nice to also have a fellow Cub fan to talk to as well. So we well, appreciate that. I do. Absolutely. And the other story, obviously, I went to Northwestern undergrad uh, and at, before law school. And uh, and uh, I was just lamenting with some friends after the Big Ten championship. That, you know, I, I know you're going to you're going to run this over time, but in immediate real time, there, there's always a chance that when Northwestern leaves Ohio State at halftime, you bring back current memories. I remember sitting in the stands when we were everybody's homecoming fodder in the 70s when we lost 62 to 3 to Ohio State. So uh, never mind. I'm glad we're talking baseball. The Northwestern uh, football program has come a long way, and that's great. I, I love the Northwestern as well. But yes, as you mentioned, let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit about baseball, and let's start with the Cubs. Rick, this is a question that I've kind of posed and we've talked about on the podcast, and I'm curious what your uh, you know, point of view is from this standpoint. When the Cubs got the marquee network, um, basically what that was telling fans was that we are able to compete with the Dodgers and the Yankees from a payroll perspective. We're going to beautify Wrigleyville. We're going to change some things to make it more corporate looking. And that gave the fans that, you know, um, 
thought process that the Cubs are going to be able to add payroll and really be a player year in and year out. We're not seeing that, though, now. Now the Ricketts are calling to reduce payroll, not adding on. And I think that's got fans a little upset right now. And I understand the COVID situation is probably, you know, hurt in, in a lot of ways. But how much should fans be upset by how, at the moment, the Ricketts are handling business when it comes to the Cubs' dealings? Well, you know, I'm talking uh, from my heart as a Cub fan, obviously. But every owner has a right to create his own budget relative to what he thinks the trustship, trusteeship of his franchise requires. You know, they've made a tremendous capital improvement in Wrigley and the network before. And COVID has thrown everybody uh, to a loop. Uh, you know, the, the teams that are not seeming to cut significantly, there aren't many. I mean, the Dodgers are at one and they're out ahead of everybody else. But, you know, the Yankees are, are not as, as, as stout as they used to be. It may be an era where the Cubs are going to try to scramble and connive and not outspend. And, uh, you know, the departure of Theo it doesn't send that signal, but maybe it's it's time for another approach. I, I'm, I'm hoping not because, you know, part part of being a fan as well as understanding the business is that, you know, every time you see the numbers and you also understand what's going on, you're hoping that, well, say it ain't so. You know, how about Brian? Where is where is uh, 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 our amazing shortstop and, and Rizzo and, and, you know, all those guys? And what about the pitching staff? So it has a very practical implication as well. But, uh, you know, the Ricketts family has a has a series of uh, conglomerates now, uh, meaning ballpark related uh, and the debt, the Zachary Hotel, the development across the street. There's a lot of things that are happening that uh, we all understand, by the way, that it all it, it all kind of centers around the quality of the team. So you got to take care of that first. Do you see a scenario, and I know it's so hard to predict this right now because we don't know the unknowns with what COVID is going to do from the standpoint of when fans are coming back into the ballpark. But let's say that in the twenty late 2021 season and then, of course, 2022, we're back to normal. We have fans back in the ballpark. We're running things as, as normal as possible, again, for Major League Baseball. And the network is starting to be then at that point in its second and then third year. Do you see the Cubs in a situation then where they are at the top with the Yankees and the Dodgers when it comes to saying, hey, we can go out and outspend other teams because of what we have from a network standpoint and what we're doing also from a business standpoint? Yeah. Now, you know, the, the good thing about baseball, if you're a fan of a big market team, not good if you're a fan of, you know, a parody is that your ownership has resources that can be adjusted upward and downward. And, and frankly, uh, it's unbelievable what the World Series victory in 16 did for not only the psyche of the, of the team, but the net worth of the team, the psyche of the, of the city. And, uh, you know, I live in South Florida, as you know, but generationally, more and more people uh, could believe that it really happened. And it's priceless. Uh, does that mean that it's one and done for the Ricketts? No, I don't think so. I, I know Tom, he's a contributor to, to my book, the sport business handbook. And, uh, you know, the, he's a fan too. Uh, so the whole idea of somebody who bought the team out from corporate ownership is you got a fan making those decisions as well. So a fan with some assets, that's a little patient, you know, there, there is an, and I, I, I don't really mean it negatively, but there, there are uh, examples of, of teams who have opened their wallets to general managers who have overspent 
and uh, and spent a lot of money for players who will hamstring them for years to come. Now, I don't know. Ask me in about seven years whether we can talk about Bryce Harper and the Phillies in the same in the same way uh, as that. But, you know, you never know. So it doesn't automatically mean that if you're not at the top three in the league in spending that you uh, aren't competitive or you don't want to win. Sure. We're talking with Rick Haro, the sports professor at Rick Haro is his Twitter handle. So definitely check him out there. He's a great follow. Um, Rick, the winter meetings this year, they were virtual. We didn't see a lot of movement from big names that were being signed. Is that just basically the climate that we live in right now because of what we're dealing with, with the virus that owners are really scared about pulling the trigger on long term deals? Or are we going to start to see those salaries just because, you know, we're 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 just eventually going to have to see these salaries start deflating as opposed to escalating? You know, the winter meetings, obviously, Zoom, that doesn't mean deals were were not made because people couldn't get close to each other. It's because at the end of the day, uh, there's economic uncertainty. You know, I wouldn't tie up a franchise, a billion dollar business. Unless I knew, for example, what the labor peace issues were going to be once at least I had an insight on where revenues were going, when crabs are going to come back. And also DH, you know, the National League teams, is it universal DH for a long time? Is it going to be another year? Uh, It affects every team and a lineup. And I'm not going to uh, assign significant players to uh, impact my lineup until I know the answer to a lot of these questions. We're finishing up here with Rick Haro, sports professor, joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Rick, a couple of quick things I wanted to hit on. One, the Cleveland Indians, um, obviously tied to the Cubs forever since they played them in the 2016 World Series, announcing that they're going to change their name from the Indians to TBD. Um, when you look at that from a business standpoint, how much does that affect a team from a positive or negative way for that matter when you see a name change like that happening? Well, the Washington football team uh, exhibited very significant merchandising bump early. Now they got to do it again. When they changed the nickname, uh, they decided to do it three times. The Indians said just twice. Once last year, the Indians, then we're going to rebrand. The rebranding itself is a little bit more you know, nebulous because you really don't know what the uh, 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 fan support or lack of support is going to be in terms of revenue. But, you know, I do know this. There are a lot of issues that impact the whole idea of nicknames. There are over 2,300 high schools, colleges, and otherwise who really do depend on uh, warriors, Indian names, other names. What are you going to do with those? So, you know, from a long-term perspective, uh, there has to be some understanding of of the, uh, the the symbolism behind the name, you know, you don't, you, you don't, just don't change a name to change a name. With the Indians, I'm sure they're going to give it a lot of significant thought and come up with the appropriate brand. Last thing here with Rick Haro as we finish up on the seventh inning stretch. The other big news in Major League Baseball, Rick, was the news about the Negro Leagues now officially merging with Major League Baseball as far as their records go, as far as what stats there were, a lot of players potentially getting a bump in some hits, some home runs, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, maybe there's Ernie Banks is involved in that as well. Um, What's your thoughts on when you heard about that? And I said on the podcast that I felt like this was a positive move for baseball, not only just 
for good measure to bring that into the fold, but maybe in some ways to kind of um, put it out there to inner city areas to show the urban uh, connection that baseball has to underserved areas who may not be playing baseball. And maybe this is a, a way for them to find an interest in the game. What, what do you think of that? Well, there's no, no doubt about that. Uh, baseball has a very significant program called RBI, Reviving Baseball in the Inner Cities, where they produce ballparks and a whole host of other things as well from a community perspective. And when you think about it, this is just another example of reaching out and making it matter that uh, people around the country know that baseball is very serious about expanding diversity, their heritage, and the like. So, you know, the records are fine, but the symbolism of this is even more important. Rick Haro, the sports professor. You can find him on Twitter, at Rick Haro. He's a diehard Cubs fan. Be sure to check him out where you can. Rick, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. Really appreciate your insight. We would love to have you back anytime. Thanks so much. We'll do it anytime, man. Go Cubs. Thanks, Ryan. Really enjoying these interviews. And, of course, we got a great one for you next week. It's our favorite guest. He's had the most appearances here on the Friendly Confines. Of course, it is Mark Silverman from ESPN 1000. You can hear him from 2 to 6 weekdays on Waddle and Sylvie. And, of course, if you're a fan of the show like Chad and I are, you know that Mark has been courageous in his battle of beating cancer he is now in remission we're going to get into all that with him so we're really excited plus we're going to be reflecting on the 2020 season things we are thankful for of course we have our holiday episodes coming up right chad absolutely so really looking forward to the next two weeks with sylvie we're going to actually break it up into a two-parter what i love about sylvie there's so many things i love about sylvie but he's an idiot cub fan like me. And so we, you know, we text uh, the good times and the bad times. Uh, um, and, uh, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him, but yeah, we're going to reflect over the next couple of weeks as well. We're going to look at our top moments of the 2020 season. There's some highs, there's some lows tune in the next couple of weeks to hear our countdown. See if you agree um, um, with what we have to say. So let's move on to the eighth inning and pitcher Braylon Marquez is, uh, you know, he might be creating an opportunity for himself to be slotted into the rotation next year. Obviously, if that happens, that solves a lot of question marks for the Cubs front office, who are now down a couple of pitchers with Quintana and Lester no longer kind of in the fold and also Chatwood gone. Uh, what do you think, uh, Rhino? Is you think uh, Marquez is ready for prime time? I don't know, Chad. I don't know if he is just yet. And I know the Cubs don't want to rush him either. I think they want to make sure they take their time with him, make sure they develop him properly, put him in situations that he's going to be successful. And then ultimately, maybe he doesn't start the year with the big league club. Now, if the Cubs run into a situation, though, where they're not able to bring in a veteran, I know you and I have spoken about the fact that Maybe John Lester does come back because there's chatter that he may want to return to the Cubs. Or the other idea, which you and I have also talked about, is what about bringing back Jake Arrieta, giving him a shot to see if you can solidify the you know veteran rotation that they would have at that point, and then you don't need him to uh, step into that fifth role. But if they're not able to, I wonder if they do put him on the back end and see what they have with him because this is a guy who I think has – just star pitcher written all over him 
once he's able to get his control down. He's obviously a young kid, but I think that when push comes to shove, eventually I think this guy can develop into a really special player. What about you? I, you know, I love playing the what if game and, and, uh, and right now uh, uh, Braylon is, is at the top of the Cubs prospect list that the top 10 list that just came out and talk about what ifs. baseball America projected the Cubs roster, how it's going to look in, in 2024. And they've got him slotted in as the number two starter behind Kyle Hendricks and your buddy, number three, Adbert Azale. I know you're going to be excited to hear that. Uh, but, you know, there's some notable names that aren't on that list. Uh, we'll get into that probably in the coming weeks. But for me, when you look at what Braylon has, he has everything you want in terms of the peripherals. Like he looks the part. It Can he maintain the control? Can he um, do what needs to be done that he can be an everyday pitcher and project to be the number two guy in this rotation? So it would solve a lot of problems um, that this front office has uh, has repeated repeatedly um, had, which is they've always had to go out in pitchers, whether through trade or through free agency. And so to have Braylon and to have Adbert um, and even bring in somebody like Cole Franklin, you know, uh, who's a, a, a six round pick, but projected to maybe project himself into the lineup, according to Baseball America, that would be a great thing for Jed in the front office because they haven't had a history of, of developing that uh, that that talent of of creating and weaning pitchers to to be exceptional. So for me, um, this would be a, a positive, but we won't know until those first pitchers and catchers report when that whenever that will be here in the coming weeks and months. All right, so let's finish up in the ninth inning. And Chad, I have a very very important question to ask you, and uh, really get your thoughts on this. So. The holidays are here, as we know, and I was perusing on a website. I won't give the name of it away, but I happened to see this retro shirt that I thought was really cool. And it was a White Sox shirt. And if you remember, Jad, those 1970s uniforms that the White Sox used to wear that were like navy blue and white, and they had the collars on them back in the day. So I found this like retro shirt. It's just a T-shirt. But it's navy blue, and it's got the Chicago lettering across it in white letters. And I don't know how to describe the way the font is, but it's just kind of a cool look. And it has the White Sox batter on the side, you know, the, the, the symbol of the White Sox batter. And I was like, I'm going to pull the trigger on this. So I bought the shirt, Chad. I bought White Sox gear, Chad. I don't know if your mouth is agape right now with me telling you this story. But, Chad, have I committed a violation by buying White Sox gear as a diehard Cubs fan. I give you the floor first. I mean, you're getting to be like uh, like a woman who just doesn't even know why, but she owns a Boston Red Sox hat. That's where you're that's the 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 line you're 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 going for fashion over loyalty. I don't know. This is not the first time you put a White Sox themed question. Was it last week or the week before? Is it okay? To, to go to White Sox games or root for them or go check them out. Rhino, I'm not going to own White Sox gear. I don't go. I don't care how good the hat looked on, in the NWA movie. I don't care how how trendy the the, the black uh, hat with the White Sox lettering um, looks. I, you know, you're going to wear the, the, that shirt with the collar and a White Sox. Why don't, why don't just complete the look and also get the shorts they wore in, in the 70s season as well. You will not see me in White Sox gear. And it's not because I hate them. It's because they're just another team. 
they're they're on equal footing with uh, with the the Brewers who have great those are cool hats. Uh, I'm here in San Diego. I don't have a Padre hat, even though I like their Taco Bell lettering. Rhino, I think it's it's a faux pas. I don't understand it. I feel like you're you're changing, and I'm not sure what to make of it. You know, maybe we rebrand. Maybe maybe because we've talked about this, we'd have a bigger market share if this was a Cubs White Sox. Maybe you just go full socks. And we we uh, we make this a debate between two fan bases. Are you ready to make the switch? I'm not ready to make the switch, but I will say this. I've never been one and I will uh, just say this. I've never been one. And it's a little different for us because you um, lived in central Illinois where it was Cubs Cardinals. We've we've talked about this. You being in an area where it was like either you're a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan. And obviously from. Uh, my standpoint, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, it was you're a White Sox fan or you're a Cubs fan. And obviously I chose the, the Cubs fan side. However, I will say that I've never been one to absolutely hate the White Sox. I, I don't sit here and say I'm a huge fan of the White Sox, but I'm not one of those people that absolutely hates the White Sox either and roots for them to lose, much like a lot of White Sox fans root for the Cubs to lose, which I find to be silly, quite frankly. I just thought, yes, I agree. I thought the shirt was cool. I do own, I will admit, other Major League Baseball team t-shirts. I have an Indians t-shirt. I have Phillies. I have Padres. When I came to visit you out in San Diego, I went to a game and got a Tony Gwynn t-shirt. So I have other teams gear. So when I bought the shirt, Chad, I felt like at the end of the day, this is just me buying a shirt of another Major League Baseball team, even though the most gear I own is Cubs gear. My favorite team is the Cubs. And I think it just shows that I am, uh, you know, confident and comfortable enough in my own skin, Chad, to be able to say I can buy a White Sox T-shirt and I can wear it proudly and still recognize that I am still a diehard Cubs fan uh, when it's all said and done. So that's what I'll say about that. But I certainly appreciate your opinion, and uh, I, I certainly wanted to hear your feedback on that, regardless of whether you agreed with it or not. So thank you for that. I, I can't wait to, to see your powder blue uh, Cardinal uh, uh, jersey uh, for next <laughs> season. I'm very excited about your, your fashion choices, but I'm also a little alarmed. Thank you, Chad. Well, with that, Christmas and the New Year seem to be just in time, right, Chad? So Absolutely. that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, we appreciate you listening. As always, we'll be back next week with another new episode. For Chad, I'm Ryan. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into 